Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Well, welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard. And this is the Thanksgiving edition of the Ducks and Pucks podcast. Eddie and I had some scheduling uh, stuff come up during the week, obviously, as uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there had as well with the holiday week. So we decided to do the show after Thanksgiving. So I hope that all of you had a uh, good and safe uh, holiday. And we're going to break down a lot of stuff on this show, uh, plenty to cover. We're going to start off with uh, the Hathaway suspension and, and kind of what we think about it. A lot of you weighed in on that and had an opinion. So we're going to cover that first. We'll then go over the games, uh, some of the road trip uh, that they played at the end there. And then, of course, they've been at home for a couple of the last games. We'll talk about all those. The Black Friday uh, disaster again. And we'll go into the history of that for the last couple seasons. And then the middle segment's really going to cover a lot about the team. Uh, as far as the coaching, the lineup, things that, that could be done you know, pretty much differently. Uh, Eddie and I are, are not head coaches or GMs, but we're going to weigh in on a lot of stuff that we think the Ducks could do outside of trading for somebody. I know we've talked about that on a couple podcasts before. And then we'll finish up with league news. And yes, Taylor Hall is going to be in there again. We'll talk about that and weigh in on him as well. So we'll definitely cover some trade rumors, but th- this show we're really going to focus on the Ducks and what they need to do to uh, uh, you know really get the ship kind of going in the right direction. So that's kind of our roadmap. Uh, Eddie will kind of start out with the Hathaway thing. Uh, I do have to make a quick uh, announcement though that uh, that I was wrong on our last show. Uh, we had uh, Robert Morales that pointed out on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, youtube.com slash ducks and bucks podcast but i guess when we talked about the hathaway incident with good branson uh, we were talking about whether or not the initial part of the play should have been a charging or interference and it was actually uh, leipzig that did the initial hit not hathaway so i apologize for that i said that on the last show but you know what eddie i was i was probably seeing red when we were talking about that podcast so i blamed hathaway for everything on that play but Anyways, we'll break that down. So Hathaway ended up getting suspended for three games. And most of you out there, we did our little podcast poll, kind of an informal one this time. But most of you were happy with the suspension. But then a lot of you questioned uh, the length of it. So what did you think, Eddie, uh, you know, after the fact now? You know, like we said, we talked about in the last show. We saw what happened. Uh, And by the way, Hathaway did apologize after the fact but he did finally apologize for the incident and, and took some ownership for it, though he didn't initially. But uh, what do you think about the whole thing, Eddie, with the suspension and his, you know, after-the-fact apology? Well, uh, I want to just say that I, I'm sure you were seeing red. I was too after that incident, and I think it was just accidentally uh, spat out of your mouth those words <laughs> of the wrong player. <laughs> so, um, you know what? I think the suspension is good, and I agreed with it. Maybe a little bit more, but I wouldn't want him to miss the December 6th game, I believe they're playing against the Capitals when they come back, uh, come to Honda Center. He has some, some ice justice to be served, and it's going to be disappointing if no one goes after him. I'm not saying go and injure the player, but no, you drop the gloves and you're going to answer for what you've done. If, if you kick his ass, cool. If he kicks your ass, at least you know you went and stood up for yourself, especially Gabranson. And like I keep saying, I don't understand how people can justify anyone spitting uh, on anyone. It's just like I said uh, last show. Uh, I'm beating a dead duck again, but it's the most one of the most disrespectful things you can do to a player. 
And I just hope he, he has to answer to it come, you know, uh, next week when the Capitals come into town. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that was the main concern was the length of the suspension. I, to me, I felt five to ten games would have been better. That was my whole take on that. I don't think three games was enough. Um, you know, if they would have done five games, he still would have been able to play in this game uh, upcoming, like you said, where, you know, the Ducks are going to be playing the Kings and Capitals this week. So if they need some added motivation after a bunch of these losses, they're going to have some of it. So that, that's what I feel. I'm glad he got suspended. You know, three games, my take is it could have been more. Uh, just as Eddie said, too, as well. So a lot of you weighed in on it. A lot of you felt the same way, too, uh, on our Facebook uh, kind of informal poll. You felt that it should have been more games. Only a couple of you thought one game or three games was okay. But uh, we're with you on that one. Uh, most of you agreed that it should have been more. At least he was suspended, though, I guess is you know the, the good part of that. So that happened. The Ducks were still in the middle of their road trip. And they had a couple more games to play. Uh, they went to the great state of Florida. They had to take on the Panthers and the Lightning. Uh, they ended up losing both of these games. Uh, I, I, I think the one in Florida is the one that really pissed me off the most. The, the Ducks got off to, I guess, their best start, you could say, of the entire season. They had a uh, goal by Max Jones in the first period. And then they had goals by Nick Ritchie, Raquel, and Kasha in the second period, including a power play goal, which we'll talk about the power play too later in the show. And I wait, know a what, lot Mike? Of you, I, I, I know. Hear that? Did you, did you say the the PP word? Wow. I, yeah, yeah. There was a power play goal in this Whoa. game, which we will we will go over that, and we will talk about why the power play is having some issues and and things that we think uh, could rectify it. So. You're right. They got a rare power play goal. So the Ducks are up uh, four nothing in this game. Okay, and they're and just under two minutes to go in the second period. So you're thinking, okay, yeah, the Ducks are probably going to end out this period. They're going to be a four nothing. Yeah, we got this. We're gonna we're gonna destroy Florida, right? Well, some guy named Brett Conley said, no, nah, I don't think so. He scores two goals in less than thirty seconds, and the Ducks lead now goes from four nothing to four to two going in the third. And Florida ends up getting a couple goals in the third, <laughs> ties the game, and forces overtime. The Ducks lose in overtime. <laughs> so the Ducks went from 4-0 with less than two minutes to go in the second period to losing this game 5-4 to in overtime. And uh, I, I don't know, Eddie. I, I just think this game was probably the most frustrating game outside of maybe that Detroit game we were talking about earlier. But you have a four-goal lead. 38 plus minutes into the game and you lose. I, I mean, it's just, this is unacceptable. I mean, you know, Eddie and I are on the show. We, we talk about the Ducks. We're huge Ducks fans, but we got to be realistic too. The, I, I don't care. This is unacceptable, Eddie. Uh, what, what did you think about the debacle against the Panthers? Well, in the case of the Anaheim Ducks being up 4 nothing, and we're about to win the game, I guess Brett Connolly determined that was a lie. That was so <laughs> Freaking frustrating. I, I was like, what are you guys doing? You guys are playing a team that came they came back in their last game down by four and beat uh beat the team. Beat the other team. I don't off the top of my head, I don't know. I don't really care. But you let them walk right in and steal this game. Like you had every Ducks fan happy. Mike, I was doing my twenty eight day of non drinking just for personal reasons. <laughs> and I almost went upstairs and cracked open a bottle and just started drinking. I was just so pissed off. And then even 
matter of top of it, I was covering this game and writing the recap. So I was like, oh, you know how angry I was just typing this recap? Just <laughs> wait, one finger, just each little button. Tap, tap, tap. They just, they felt that after, you know, Florida scored, I guess, they just put their tail between their legs and kind of just took it. It just, oh, it was so frustrating. And like, if you, people that listen to the show, I'm going to revert back to the Philadelphia game last season. This was probably the most frustrating. This is actually the most frustrating game of this season. And I really hope this is that that's it. But, Mike, they can't operate like that. You had this game in the bag. It was just, it was an open present. You just, it was free. It was a free game. You could have got two points. No, you, you let them walk right in. You scouted this team. You knew what they did a game before coming back for a four-goal lead. And no, you just took your foot off the pedal and kind of just coasted and and let them come back. And I, I know uh, a lot of the players are talking about a 60-minute game and Getzloff was saying something about how not every game the players are going to be a full 60 minutes. Yeah, I get that, but you're not going to be – like making great plays or making smart passes or, or, or being in that moment for 60 minutes, but at least played the damn game. There's no excuse to blowing a four-goal lead no matter what. You, you can say the stars weren't aligned. You can make up every excuse. You have four goals. It's, the only thing you have to blame is yourselves and each individual player that, that, that was playing. It's just it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, they let it slip away, like you said, and I mentioned it several times. The Ducks... We'll play, you know, 40 minutes of a game and then 20 minutes, you know, not so much. This one, I guess, 21 and a half minutes or so. I mean, it's just frustrating. They they really own this. I remember uh, I wasn't at home at the time, but I was watching the game on my phone because I have the Fox Sports West uh, app and I can watch it through my um, cable provider. So I was watching that game and I was like, oh, yeah, four nothing. We got this. And then, then they started getting a couple goals. I'm watching my phone. I'm just getting I'm getting more and more mad uh during this game but like you like you said they they let off the gas you know and uh you you just can't do that with this with i mean any team you're up for nothing you know get get i mean if you're gonna play defense and and clog up the neutral zone for the final period fine but they didn't do that they gave up chances and florida came back they got you know a couple goals in the third and it's just disappointing and then of course overtime three on three we're not good at that, so you knew that was kind of going to be bad, and then of course it was. Uh, Florida scores, you know, just 22 seconds into the overtime, and they win. So, uh, you know, I, I get the rebuilding and retooling, but I really don't care what team you have, whether it's a bunch of young players or veteran players. You're up for nothing with the second period about to end, and even with giving up those two goals and giving the momentum back to Florida, the Ducks still should have won this game, Eddie. Oh yeah, it's man. I was just thinking that this was going to be a, a nice little coast win. Like, all right, cool. The Ducks needed that after that game against Washington. All, all the emotions and all right, cool. The Ducks are responding. They're pissed off, but nope. They just, like I said, they let Florida claw their way back into this game. And you can't, you can't really, you you can't give teams an opportunity like that. A goal is it, so easy to be scored within seconds. Well, not really easy, but they can score quick. And, and with the Ducks. They're, they're, they're having an infamous trend of giving up a lead, going up by a few goals, and then just tanking. So it's just it's one of these games that hopefully 
the Ducks don't forget. I hope this is the back of their mind. Like, hey, next time they go up to three or four goal lead, hey, remember that Florida game? Let's not hold back. Let's keep playing our game and just keep that pedal on the metal. Who cares if you get that speeding ticket as long as you get the two points? Yeah, and that's what happened in the Tampa Bay game too. So, you know, after they lost to the Panthers, they played the Lightning uh, in this game. Uh, the, you know, Lightning got a bounce early on. Uh, they had a shot that hit Miller and sat in the crease and Point batted it in. Then the Ducks get a break. Uh, they're shorthanded. Uh, they try to clear the puck. It hits the ref, lands on Grant's stick. Grant breaks in all alone, scores. It's one-to-one. Uh, Kucherov scores early in the second uh, to, to make it two-to-one Tampa. But then Raquel answers back. It's two-to-two. And, you know, the Ducks are playing competitive hockey for the 30 minutes of this game. They're, they're not, this wasn't a bad game, but they're tied 2-2 two two halfway through the game. And then the second half, they just fall apart. They end up giving uh, three power play goals against. Uh, you had Point gets another goal in the second period on the power play. And then, uh, you know, Tampa Bay uh, gets two more power play goals in the third. And the Ducks are just done in this game. I mean, the final score, you look at it, it was 6-2. to two. But the Ducks didn't—they didn't play that bad. I mean, they outshot Tampa Bay 38 to 27. But it just was the second half of the game. They—they they, once they got down by a couple goals, it was just over. And again, looking at special teams, the Ducks had three power plays in this game. Big zero. Lightning had four power plays and they scored on three of them. That was a huge difference in this game, Eddie. Uh, I think five on five, the Ducks played a decent game. But when it came to the special teams play, which we've seen all season, the Ducks really struggled. Oh, definitely. And and the Lightning are a fantastic team. They're an all-around great team. They have that grit with Maroon. They have that speed. They just – it looked like a clinic out there. They were just practicing for fun against the Ducks. And the Ducks didn't play too bad minus not converting on the power plays. It, you know, they kept up with them, you know, for the, for the first half. But, I mean, experience comes in and that talent and that superstarness comes in. And they have players – uh, they're a dangerous top. I think they're probably the most dangerous top nine forward team in the league. They can get goals out of, of everywhere. And, of course, Maroon scores. I I think Maroon has, like, the most points he's ever scored against the Ducks. But, <laughs> I mean, you, you can't really get mad and you can't pout about this loss because that team is far better than the Ducks in every point. And not just on paper, but on, on play, too. So I was just happy to see the Ducks just be able to hang in there for the, the, the time they did. But experience and talent, you know, kind of beat them out. Yeah, that's what happened. I mean, the Ducks the Ducks should have had actually a power play goal in this game. Raquel did score right after the penalty expired. But, you know, obviously you got to go by the two minutes. So it was like two minutes and one second when he scored. So the Ducks might have had one. But, yeah, you know, you bring up Maroon and I always crack up because that's one of the players we talked about you know, in the offseason, the Ducks should have gone out and got, and and they didn't, and he signed a cheap deal uh, with Tampa Bay, and here he is scoring a goal uh, against the Ducks, you know. I mean, it's just it's just a frustrating game all the way around. But you're right. I, I didn't This game, I didn't expect the Ducks to win. So when halfway through, I was happy. I was like, okay, it's 2-2. Two to two. They're playing competitive. You know, may, maybe they could force overtime in this game, and, and then it just the special teams play just went went down the toilet, uh, and, and they took too many penalties, which we've seen too. The Ducks have been a little bit too uh, undisciplined at, at key moments, and that's part of being a young team. So that happened. So the, the, the Ducks' road trip wasn't the best. Uh, you know, the, the highlight of the road trip was they beat the Blues, 
the defending Stanley Cup champs. Then they had these two games. And so you're thinking, okay, what? Well, well, the Ducks could, you know, uh, turn this around. Uh, but, I mean, they then had the Islanders come to town, who the Islanders hadn't lost a game in regulation in 17 games. And you're thinking, oh, great, how are the Ducks going to play? Well, <laughs> the Ducks win this game. They actually knock out the Islanders 3 nothing, And they played solid defense. Um, they held the Islanders uh, after the first period when they had a lot of shots and it looked like the Islanders were maybe going to you know, have a chance to score. Uh, they had 16 shots in the first period, but the Ducks held them to just 10 shots and the rest of the way. And, and Eddie, they, you know, they, they played well against Florida, not so well against Tampa, and then they play well against the Islanders and they win this game. I mean, this team is just so confusing at times. Oh, definitely, definitely. I was going to interject uh, just to, to go back a little bit on that Tampa Bay game. Uh, speaking of Maroon, I had a little funny story I wanted to share. Um, it was, I think it was a few years ago uh, when Maroon, I think he was with the Oilers and he had a fight against the Ducks. And I made a comment on Facebook and tagged one of my uh, my Kings, uh, Kings fan friend about, oh, you know, Maroon's going to get his ass kicked. Well, lo and behold, Maroon's uh, family member responded back to me it was like kind of like going back and forth like oh he he'll beat you up too i'm like what the heck but he was just in playful fun and uh a lot of the the guys i used to play hockey with they played with maroon and played against him so they know him and his family so it was just funny that i made a comment and i tagged my buddy and then maroon's family member came back and we were just going back and forth about it but it, it was all in good fun I just wanted to share that i think it was kind of funny a, a good little memory i have of maroon uh, to f- now to go back in present time against the Islanders game, it was just an all-around great game. The Islanders seemed to have a lot more pressure on them, and the Ducks didn't. The Ducks were just coming in there expecting to lose. That's what everyone was, you know, kind of pinning on them, and they came out and they just played. They they just played hockey. They they played a good structured game, and uh, the Islanders were so just pressed on preserving their their point streak and their win streak. They, it just it, the pressure got to them, and they buckled, and the Ducks capitalized on that, and it was just. A great game. It was a good, you know, a good one to see. You know, the fans were there, and it was hockey fight cancer night, and th- th- that's even special for a lot of the cancer survivors or people that that know someone uh, battling that. Um, our, our game day program was dedicated to to Joe Chavez and the rest of the cancer survivors. If you guys don't know Joe Chavez, he is a testicular cancer survivor, and he plays for the San Diego Duck sled hockey team as a goaltender. He was playing in a tournament that week, and unfortunately, did not win the tournament. But yeah, he's just a, a great inspiration, and he's always positive. He's always happy. He was thrilled to have his photo and, and us share his story. And he, he you know, messaged me saying, you know, thanks for all the support and stuff. And, you know, I, I think he's one of those people that are, are – uh, he's a hero. He's my hero. I don't know if I can deal and be that strong if I had to deal with the stuff he's had to deal with. And it's just, you know, someone like him, it's just, it's just good. He, he's strong. He, he represents the game, and, and I love it. And it was so happy, and I, I made sure I try to make that graphic as best as I can to honor him and, and, and everyone else. We also did the our Ducks and Pucks, um, our logo, too, and I wanted to incorporate all the other banners of cancer. I know a few people tweeted out to us what forms of cancer that they're dealing with, and they wanted to see you know that specific color represent their form of cancer they're battling with and I, and I did that with the ribbons i try to get everyone and i'm sorry if i missed anyone i did the overall cancer i guess the the universal color cancer the ribbon a little bigger and also did the orange one not because the orange ducks but uh i had a cousin and a family member another one uncle die of leuke- uh, leukemia 
and orange is the leukemia thing, so I made that a little bigger too, just in memory of them. But yeah, Mike, it was a great game, and I mean, it's one of those games I wish I would have went to. And it's unfortunate I had to sit behind a TV and watch it, but it's still it was a good game, and I, I was hoping the Ducks were going to trend upward after that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, anybody out there that's uh, dealing with cancer, you know, our hearts go out to you. We've uh, donated time and money over the years to anybody dealing with it. And I know that if it doesn't affect you, I know maybe there's a family member or friend uh, that you may uh, have or have had that dealt with it. So uh, anybody out there dealing with it, we, you know, obviously give you all of the support that we can and hope that uh, that turns around for that person or persons. So uh, like you said, yeah, the game in person was great. Uh, the Ducks, you know, won this one um, with Kasha's uh, celebration on the third goal. You know, the Ducks got back-to-back goals there. That, that was awesome to see him flying in the air. I, I joked on the post. I said, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Kasha. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought, that was, I thought that was funny. A little take on the Superman there. So people seem to enjoy that. But, yeah, the Ducks, you know, the first period, like I said, they didn't play so great. They gave up 16 shots, but they got out of the period uh, tied 0-0. And then they really turned it on after that that opening period. They only allowed 10 shots in the next 40 minutes. I mean, that was outstanding defensive work uh, by, the, by the Ducks finally. Um, you know, they did uh, also get back, uh, you know, Lindholm too uh, in a couple of these games. He uh, didn't really have his, his best stuff in that Tampa Bay game when he came back. Uh, a couple plays there where he didn't look so good. But he, he looked a little bit better in this game. So it was nice to see uh, him come back because uh, the Ducks have been struggling on defense. Uh, like I said, the, the Tampa game, not not so much. I think he was a little rusty. He then played pretty good in this game uh, against the Islanders. And then the Ducks uh, went on you know, a quick road trip because they're going out to Arizona to play the Coyotes. And they played a decent game, but they ended up losing this one in a shootout, the uh, only shootout the Ducks have had this season. But... Uh, they gave up a power play goal, of course, in the opening three minutes of this game to Dvorak. Uh, Gooley got his first NHL game, uh, excuse me, NHL goal in this game, uh, sandwiched between the Dvorak goals. Uh, you also had uh, Sam Steele and Troy Terry scoring in this game. So, I mean, the Ducks, they, they had a 3-2 to two lead in the third period, and, um, you know, it, it looked like the Ducks might, you know, might win this game. With the lead, then they give up the tying goal in the third, right after the Troy Terry goal. They go into overtime. They actually, you know, say, you know, don't screw up in the overtime, but they go to the shootout and lose. You know, I didn't think this was necessarily a bad game for the Ducks, Eddie. It was nice seeing the kids starting to get going because they haven't been scoring so much. But again, the Ducks, you know, had a quick, uh, you know, lead for like thirty something seconds and blew it, and uh, they got a point again, but they ended up losing this game. Oh, yeah, it was just a lot of people were frustrated saying I, I saw some tweets like, oh, I can't believe we lost to Florida, uh, uh, excuse me, not Florida, but the uh, Phoenix the, or Arizona. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> Too much <pink> Whitney. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know what? The Coyotes are a really great team now. They developed, they drafted well, and they have some key players and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And they're not the old team from before. They're a really quick team, and they know how to put that puck in the back of the net. They have a lot of young guys that can do that. This game, I wasn't all too mad because we had a lot of our youth scoring. I think all the goals, Steele, Terry, Gooley, it just that's a positive. That's great. Once the, you know, Once all those players can get going, 
it's going to be lights out for the Ducks. You know, like you know, maybe not this season. They're still finding their game and they're they're still finding their way in the NHL. But once they develop properly, they're going to be great. Gooley, it was so funny. Everyone thought it was Terry's goals at uh, goal at first because it's just one of those awkward plays. He throws it on net, so he didn't really celebrate it that much. He was just like, I think Troy Terry celebrated a little bit more than he did, so he didn't really know. It came like to the second period. We're like, oh, it was Gooley's goal and. Even the Ducks' official uh, social media team posted too. It was Terry's goal, so it was one of those those funny things. But uh, Troy Terry was actually buzzing this game. He was going around. He was uh, he was just everywhere in this game. He he almost won it too in overtime. He just hit the post, unfortunately. But you know, it went to the shootout, and I think it was the first shootout uh, this season for the Ducks. And just unfortunately, they didn't really capitalize on that, and they couldn't get past. Uh, the uh, the Coyotes goaltender and we took a loss but you really can't be mad about this yeah it, the only frustrating part was they, they had their first lead of the game and then 38 seconds later they give up the the game tying goal and which ultimately led to overtime and then Coyotes winning so that's the only frustrating thing about this game yeah the only other thing I would add is probably the power play zero for three shocker but you know the power play has been terrible so I mean the Ducks did outshoot the Coyotes 34 to 28. They won the faceoff battle, 61% to 39. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on in this game. I, I did think it was interesting in the shootout. Kasha had a uh, shot that went off the goalie's leg pad and then back in, and they had to review it. And I was like, "Come on, man! Like that's a goal. Why are you guys even reviewing this?" So that that was kind of a funny play uh, there that extended the shootout. But then, of course, Dvorak, the one who got a couple goals in the game, gets the shootout game winner, and the Ducks lose. So. I mean, it is what it is. I think the bright spot is, yes, the Ducks got a point. Yes, a lot of the young players did better in this game, finally getting some guys that were scoring and whatnot. So it wasn't terrible. I mean, they, they had beaten the Islanders, you know, in their crazy streak of 17 games without uh, losing in regulation. They came into this one, and, you know, they got behind and were able to come back and then get a lead for, for a brief, you know, amount of time. And they ended up getting a point. So I, well, I wasn't too upset about this game. I, I, I mean, I felt they could have got two points. But I think they did play a, a decent game. Um, you know, not probably as good as they did against the Islanders. But still, you know, well enough to at least get a point. So, you know, with that, the Ducks then returned home for Black Friday. And uh, they played the Jets. Eddie was there with me at the game. We sat there. I had a whole big group of people. The last couple times they've had these Black Friday games, I've had probably about two dozen uh, friends and family and other Ducks and Pucks supporters go to the game. And, uh, you know, last year they, they beat Edmonton, but this year they played the Jets and they lost this game 3 nothing. <laughs> was not really a good game. Uh, there was some excitement in the beginning um, because uh, Kasha got knocked down early and Gabranson, uh, you know, took exception, got into a little uh, fight there. It was really all good Branson doing all the swinging, but uh, he, and he, you know, pretty much it wasn't really a, much of a fight. But there, there was a lot of animosity in that first period. You know, a lot of things going on. It was zero zero. The Ducks were still playing decent, and uh, then Richie gets called at the end of the period for a charging uh, penalty. Which is kind of interesting because we were talking about Leipzig and, and his whole charging issue back with the uh, Hathaway, Good Branson, and all that nonsense against the Capitals. So he gets called for that. And then, of course, the Jets score on the power play at the beginning of the second period, which really irritated me. Uh, I thought that penalty call on Richie was weak. 
Uh, Richie has taken a lot of dumb penalties this season, as we've all talked about and you've all ranted about. I, I felt that that one wasn't a bad penalty. I posted the video of it up there, and almost all of you were like, really, that's a penalty? So, of course, add insult to injury. They score on the power play. Um, they get another goal halfway through the second. The Jets get up by two, and then it's kind of we'll, – we'll talk about it a little bit, but pretty much game over at that point. The Ducks don't really show up in the third. They give up a, a goal early. And they lose this game three nothing, Eddie. But um, I, I wasn't, you know, that call was kind of iffy. But I was more disappointed with this team. Once they got down two nothing, it just seemed like they just kind of mailed it in, and and they really didn't come out in the third period and do a whole lot other than give up a goal right away. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I, you just feel the energy too being at Honda Center. Once that they scored, uh, when Ehlers scored that second goal, it was just done. It's like, oh come on, guys. That, that first period was exciting. Gabranson beat the crap out of that one dude. I, I don't even know his name. I don't even care. I don't even think that guy knows his name right now. <laughs> like, I mean, but that's what hockey's about. You, you take a run at, uh, at Kasha, and, you know, he had to leave the ice and go to the locker room temporarily. I, I'm guessing it's concussion protocol to make sure he was okay. He returned back shortly after, but, hey, you have to answer for a hit like that. It, it's part of the game, and Gabranson really just kicked his ass. And then he gets a 10-minute misconduct. He gets two 10-minute misconducts because he's breathing or something. But <laughs> you know what? Um, it was frustrating. I was pissed off about this game. But uh, I was happy. I was there with Mike. Uh, thank you for inviting me to the game and bringing me. And then everyone I ran into, uh, you know, Jen, Sharon, uh, everyone else. It was just fun. It was a good environment. And, and you know, despite the loss, I, ha- I had a good time. I, just, I-, I wish it would have been maybe Four goals the other way, four three overtime win <laughs> with yeah. maybe maybe a goalie fight that I've been hoping that would happen when I'm at a live game. But I mean, damn, I, this one's kind of tough too. Uh, Winnipeg's losing like you know that their best defenseman is gone, and they just come out and after that second goal, the Ducks didn't really seem to play. And like like I said before, the whole energy was just sucked out of the team. And even in Honda Center, too, it's like, come on. It's like everyone knew the Ducks were done after that. It's unfortunate. Uh, Kyle Connor scores, and that's pretty much the game. Yeah, the only thing I didn't like was early in the first period. Uh, it looked like the Ducks had scored. Uh, Max Jones was pushing at the puck. Hellebuck was trying to cover it. The puck actually ends up in the net. The refs review the play. They come out and they say, hey, uh, the whistle was blown before the puck crossed the line. So they admit that the puck crossed the line. And I, I went back and rewatched this. And as I told some of you out there, you know, we, we do the podcast and stuff. But when there's games that we go in person, a lot of times I'll come home and rewatch certain parts of the game just to see if there's something different. Because at the arena, obviously, you don't get all the angles sometimes. Or sometimes at home when you're watching, they'll say something that... Obviously, I don't know because I'm there watching it. I don't have any announcers, right? So I watched that play at home, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the refs got it wrong. I, they actually blew the whistle after the puck went in the net. And I understand the whole part about, well, it's whenever the ref intends to blow the whistle. I get that part. Okay, whatever. But to me, uh, I, I don't think that... They should have talked about the whole whistle thing. I think they should have discussed whether or not it was goalie interference or not. That's what I felt, that that should have decided that goal or not. And to me, watching the replays, it's hard. It's not conclusive, you know, using that big term that everybody uses now for replays. But that puck is, uh, it's sitting there in the crease area. And Jones, 
wax at it while Hollabuck's trying to put his glove on it, and then the puck goes in the net. I mean, to me, it's either goalie interference or it's a goal. It's it's one or the other here. I, I, I just thought that the refs took the cheesy way out by saying, well, we blew the whistle even though the puck went over the line. That That really irritated me. I wish they would have at least said, hey, it's a goal or no, it's not because of goalie interference and then, you know, try and do a challenge or something. We didn't even get to that point. They just totally cut it out, Eddie. And that just kind of frustrated me because, hey, if the Ducks would have gotten a goal right there, maybe we wouldn't talk about them losing this game. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that whole play determined the game, but it's just frustrating when they took a, you know, kind of a wimpy way out, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And the officials, it just it's getting worse every season. And I really don't like to wish any hurt on anyone, but I, I really think these refs deserve a wake-up call, a puck to the mouth, to eat a puck. Uh, or something uh, they're just making some trash calls and it seemed like this game and i'm not trying to just use that you know little scapegoat of them but it seems like they were out for the ducks and, and just calling some really questionable calls richie's uh, apparently charging call and the guy had the <laughs> that wasn't charging it was a, it was a nice clean hit by richie um th- you know regardless if that would have been goalie interference or or not i mean let's go back to the san jose game when you saw a player literally get his stick and push Gibson's pad past the line and the puck crossed the line at that, and that wasn't goalie interference. And, and them, you know, I, I agree with you. They, they took the easy way out. Oh, well, we were going to blow the whistle. Like, oh, when? Last week? So you're just going to call it dead right there? It's just, it's bad. And I don't know why the NHL isn't looking at this. And it's not just about the Ducks. Or, or the other team I watch, the Avalanche, but I, I watch other games. I'll, I'll like someone bored. I'll put whatever games on, and there's always something like the referees. Like, oh, I'm watching a, I watched a, a Kings game. I watched the Capitals game. I uh, watched the Golden Knights game. It's just, it's just, it's, it's the definite thing that the refs are gonna screw up. Like, I don't know what's going on with them. I, I don't know if they're drinking too much before the game or not enough. It's just like. Man, but this game was more frustrating, and I think, you know, the refs played a part in the Ducks losing. Yeah, the Ducks, you know, didn't play the, their best, and then when they went down, they just kind of stood down, but I think the refs played a factor in this one, too. And like you said, Eddie, uh, the refs haven't been kind to the Ducks, uh, you know, in that game against Winnipeg. But, you know, overall, Black Friday games haven't really been good to Anaheim in general. Uh, in the last couple of years, the Ducks have played. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks three times, Winnipeg twice, and Edmonton once. Uh, they've lost pretty much all those games except for the one against Edmonton. So, so maybe the Ducks should change the schedule and play the Oilers every Black Friday moving forward. I don't know. But uh, Black Fridays haven't really been a kind uh, event for the Ducks when they play on that day. So um, that'll wrap up this segment. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Cool Hockey. You should check out their website. They have a sale going on right now. If you enter in the code uh, BLACK30, that's BLACK30, you can get 30% off their purchase. And if you want a $200 gift card, uh, you could sign up on patreon.com slash ducksandpucks. If you donate just $1 a month, you have a chance at winning a $200 gift card. We give away every single month on there. So if you want to support us, help keep the show going as well, uh, please do that. Uh, with that, we'll move to the, I guess, the next major section that we're going to talk about. A lot of this is going to focus on the Ducks and the team, the way they've been playing, the coaching, the mentality, the lineups, a lot of stuff we're going to get to. Uh, with what's going on with the Ducks, I guess, Eddie, you know, you have to say, you know, what the Duck is going on with this team. And we'll break it down first off, uh, talking about the offense. Some of the things, 
you know, that I think that maybe the Ducks could do to improve and change. Uh, and we'll offer up some of these. And if you agree or disagree, you know, you're always welcome to comment um, on social media or our YouTube channel as well. But uh, for me, looking at the offense, we know the Ducks have had ups and downs this season. One of the things I would like to see, Eddie, is that uh, Raquel gets put back with Silverberg and Henrique. I really felt that that line had a lot of chemistry. I think that that's something the Ducks should look at. And then changing up the Getzoff line, I'd like to see uh, maybe Max Jones thrown up on there. He's starting to score some goals lately. Uh, Kasha, uh, obviously, is kind of getting back in a rhythm, too. And and that's one thing I just think that would help this team is the top six, I think, need to be changed. Especially that Raquel Silverberg-Henrique line. They were doing so well. Uh, I, I just don't like splitting them up. Um, what do you think as far as the offense, uh, Eddie, you know, outside of trades, which we'll talk a little bit about the Taylor Hall news at the end of the show, but just as far as the team as uh, they are rostered right now, uh, what do you think about the Ducks trying to change up that first and second line or, or any of the offensive lines for that matter? Well, I don't think they should change up the second line at all. It, it, it was working and chemistry is everything. You don't have to be the most skilled player in the world, but as long as you have that chemistry, you can do a lot of damage. It, it doesn't matter. It's just one of those plays where you're too frustrated to, to look up that extra second. You knowing that someone's going to be in a certain spot, you can just not even look and blindly pass knowing that your line mate's going to be there, and I think that's important in hockey, uh, especially when teams are, are more of a gritty effect. We saw with, with the Washington Capitals, they didn't give you that time and space. They were all up in your face. So it's sometimes it's just you you don't have that extra second to take up like to look to see where your linemate is, and when you have that chemistry like that with those players that that can be there and you know exactly where they're gonna be without even looking, you can just close your eyes and pass and know the players gonna be there. That's really important. I get it. Cool. Like Raquel's playing great and him being a top line center, it's just what, what he's supposed to be. But I mean, it's all about chemistry and. And you can't break up a, a group of players that are playing well. I look at that 1980s USA Olympic team. They weren't the greatest, but for some reason they had a lot of chemistry together and, and certain lines just clicked because they knew exactly how they played. Uh, I like Mac Jones up with uh, Ryan Getzloff. I, the, you know, the games I've seen him play with Getzloff, they seem to have that chemistry. Um Oh, I, I forgot what game it was uh, when the first goal was scored. Would it gets off from Jones? Jones from gets off. They just they just connected and clicked really well. And yeah, I know gets or not gets off, but Jones had his issues before he got sent down. It kind of you know changed his mindset. He came back up and he's playing some great hockey. So that's one thing you know I would like to see. The only thing missing is just uh, you know a solidified left winger on that line, someone that that can play and can get into those dirty areas and, and produce and we haven't really we've been lacking like a, a, a potential a top left line uh, left wing center for a while our left wing for a while oh even when we had Getzloff and Perry on the top line we still have that 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 void right there so we have to be filled um as far as trades goes yeah we'll talk about that later but I don't think a trade is gonna it's something that the Ducks should do right now but we need to find someone that can stick on, on that top line and they can just generate some chemistry yeah, it's been an issue for the Ducks, you know, ongoing for seasons on end. Uh, if you look at the Ducks in terms of their players down in San Diego, some of them that they could bring up, uh, we talked a lot about uh, Sherwood before. You know, he's got six goals and seven assists in uh, 14 games with uh, San Diego. You've also got Sprong down there. He's got five goals and eight assists 
in 18 games. So there's a couple players that the Ducks could bring up maybe to, you know, uh, do some damage and, and help on the offense. Uh, you remember Comtois was sent back down. He's got six assists in eight games, so maybe he needs a little bit more this season, unfortunately. We're, remember, he started out pretty good last year. But, you know, there's a possibility, Eddie, that maybe the Ducks bring up some of these players. You know, right now, they do have a couple empty uh, roster spots. They currently have 21 on the roster uh, with uh, Larson being sent down, which we'll talk about in a second. So they do have room for two more players to come up. And I think that they should try to bring up one of these guys. I think Sherwood maybe my first pick and maybe Sprong second. But I would bring one of them up and throw them in the mix. Um, Terry's been hit or miss this season. Maybe he needs to either go down or, or be benched for a game here or there and give one of these guys a chance and maybe mix it up a little bit and see, hey, they've you know, gotten goals down there. Maybe they can produce because um, something has to change. The Ducks need a little bit more oomph. Uh, like you said, that second line chemistry was there with Raquel. Put him back. Maybe bring up one of the younger guys and maybe see where that leads us. Yeah, I like the uh, bringing Sprong up. I, I think he uh, he's been playing well down there. Uh, the only problem is if we bring him up, we can't just send him down without having all the other teams bid on him and get him for free. And I think with that case, Ducks probably would want to use him as trade bait. And I can't see Sprong uh, having more of a future with the Anaheim Ducks this season or, or in the future period. I think he'll be traded. Uh, they're using him just kind of for trade bait. It, obviously, he didn't work out, which he, he showed glimpses of scoring. Those those angles, shots that he did, he, he passed geometry with an A+. Because some of the goals he scored were just amazing. And I, I just, you know, I can't see them bringing him up. Comtois, I think he needs a little bit more time in San Diego. He played well last season, and, and he's shown, like, what he can do. And he's a projected... I want to say a, a top forward, and he can do some damage. A nice little power forward that can put up those numbers and produce. I think Sherwood would be a, a good, you know, a good pickup for us. He surprised everyone. No one even knew his name uh, last season until he made the Ducks roster, and he played well. And he he's he played decent. I think he's he's working hard, and he's playing some good hockey down in San Diego. So I like to see him get an opportunity, and you know what. The Ducks' offensive problem, especially on the power play, uh, I mean, why not bring someone up that can possibly, you know, help out and have that fire and bring that extra energy that the Ducks uh, need this season? Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about the power play too in a minute. Uh, of course, you, you know, as soon as you mention power play, I'm sure all of you listening just roll your eyes because you know the power play has just been so bad this season. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, the, the, I think the Ducks should try and bring up somebody. They've got roster spots open, try and give a jump to the offense. And I think they should do the th same thing defensively. Um, it was kind of funny. I was talking to Braden, who does our editing for our podcast. And uh, right before we record the show, we were talking about Holzer and Larson. And we were saying, hey, they need to send somebody down, stop playing both these guys. And then ironically, the team did send Larson down to San Diego. So... I guess they kind of listened to us partially, maybe, or we did some ESP or something. I, I, don't, I don't know, but some, something worked. They sent Larson down, um, which did create that second opening on, on the roster. As I said earlier, they have 21 spots right now as we record the show. Uh, so I, I think that another one that they should bring up for sure is Mahura. Uh, he did great. You know, he had three assists in that one game. Uh, he seemed to be playing pretty well and gelling with the Ducks team uh, defensively. So that's another one. I would bring up one of those guys on offense. I'd bring him up on defense. And I'd stop playing Holzer and Larson. It, it, going forward, obviously Larson's in San Diego now. But the Ducks should not be playing both those guys in a game together, period. 
um, it just hasn't worked out well. We saw we you know the game against Detroit. Eddie and I were really irritated when they're both out there in the final minutes of the game. We knew Lindholm and Mance were out in that game, but Fowler wasn't out there. Um, so and we'll talk about coaching in a second too. But they just both shouldn't be there. So I, I think. Larson has been good and bad at different times. They sent him down, which I think is good. And I'd like to see them bring up Mahura as well. So uh, those are a couple options there, Eddie. Uh, what do you think, you know, defensively, if the Ducks uh, bring up Mahura, maybe that would help out a little bit too uh, since Manson's still out. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, he played well. I think the first game he, he came, he had those three assists. He's one of those players. He just head up all the time. He has a great hockey IQ and hockey sense. And he, he makes great passes. He finds the open man, and especially someone that's streaking above, you know, the red line over there, just, especially making a change. He just always has his head up, and he's aware of what's going on. And, yeah, I mean, they're still fine-tuning. He's still a rookie. He's not going to be, you know, the best player out there. You, you expect to see him, you know, being a superstar. But, no, he, he's going to make those those plays, get in those areas, and create chances for players. And with this team, especially on the power play, man, we're going to talk we're gonna talk about that if, Man, I, at this point, I can't even spell power play, being a Ducks fan. But I think he'd be a, a, another good a good player to bring up and see what he's got. Give him that opportunity and that chance. Larson was, you know, was a Ducks, you know, bread and butter. He's projected to be, you know, a, a top defenseman, top four, maybe top a top one. He just really hasn't panned out. He's not a bad defenseman at all. Uh, he can hang with the national in the National Hockey League. He's just not going to be a, a top defenseman. And I don't know if it's just it's not working out with the development of the Ducks and if he can go somewhere else, change his scenery and be maybe a top four. If not, I can't really see him being more than that. He, he doesn't play bad. Just some games he, he, he's on and he's off. It's one of those things where he's, there's, there's no in-between. He's not going to be decent. It's just he's really good or he's really bad. So that's it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of been the team this whole season. They've been, you know, consistently inconsistent. Uh, one area where they've been consistent and unfortunately consistently bad has been the power play. So uh, we're going to talk about that for a little bit here before we talk about kind of the uh, the coaching and the team mentality. But the power play has been an issue. Obviously, there's no doubt about that. It's like stating, you know, the obvious. Um, some of the things that we can talk about about improving it. Uh, Eddie and I kind of beat this to a dead horse, but getting in front of the net, the Ducks aren't doing that as well. Um, and I also think they should change up the power play unit, uh, either the first or the second unit or both. I really think, and, and call me crazy, but I think Derek Grant should be thrown in the mix there. Uh, you know, in that first power play unit, you have Raquel, Henrique, Silverberg, uh, and Getzlav out there with Fowler, usually at, at the uh, defensive uh, player on the first unit. But I feel like they need someone that's going to go in front of the net and get in those dirty areas. So whether it's Raquel, Silverberg, or Henrique, I feel one of those should be rotated out. You put in uh, Derek Grant and get somebody in front of the net that's going to you know do the dirty work. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I Like we talked about earlier, I like Raquel, Henrique, and Silverberg on that second line when they're playing five on five uh, and doing what they got to do. But something's got to give. They need someone that's going to go into those dirty areas, get in front of the net, cause some havoc, get some deflections and whatnot. And they're just not doing it as much. Uh, that That's a big thing for me. I, I mean, they're trying to just be too perfect too sometimes. And I know, Eddie, you want to talk about the way that they kind of set up the power play. Uh, it, it seems like the other they're not surprising anybody, I think. Right, Eddie? You think that they're, they're a little bit too predictable in the way that they're trying to get the power play set up and create chances. 
Oh yeah, definitely. They're so predictable. Just just over here watching the game on the in the stands or in my living room, you can see exactly what they're gonna do. And teams are, are figuring that out quickly. Just like the old dump and chase system they had under Carlisle, like every team knew what they were gonna do. They stopped defending the Ducks. They let them just do it and you know picked the loose puck and went the other way. The Ducks have a, a right mindset of what they're trying to do. They're trying to have one forward, you know, drive it up drop it back to a defender that can drive it in and open up some chances and, and spread it around but they're just doing it too too soon it's too premature like right when they get out of their own uh blue line they're already dropping the puck back so you're telling the other team what you're gonna do it's just too it's too soon like i, I know it's a strategy that the avalanche use i watch a lot of their games and they do the same thing when you know they have someone a player like mckinnon just using his speed to driving all the way in he gets right past the red line, right before the opposing team's blue line. Then he drops it to a defender, and they just drive it in, and it opens up everyone else. The Ducks are just doing it too soon. Like maybe try to do it, you know, past the red line, and not, you know, when you just barely pass your own blue line. But the power play is a, a really a big problem this season, and it's not just this season. I think last season and the season before that, we just had issues on the special teams. It's 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 causing you know chaos and there's games that they could have won and stole they're just not producing on, on the power play they were uh, second to last with 10 percent on the power play only 0.7 percent behind the ottawa senators and I mean, if you if you guys follow the, the hockey or nhl ottawa senators don't really have anyone and they're in a full rebuild borderline getting sent down to the ahl kind of team <laughs> so i mean i know disrespect to the ottawa senators and they're go- going through their stuff and you know they'll have a pretty good team in a few years once to get some draft picks and get some players in there but i mean man the ducks have a lot of firepower and potential to do something and to put the, the puck in the back of the net it just some if it feels like when you hit in the power play, they don't, they're not doing that. Like as as a fan, when we see power play, we don't even get excited anymore. It's like okay, whatever. We roll our eyes, like you said, Mike. And it seems like you know I have more, you know I, I'm ready to post a a, a goal gif on the, the Ducks and Pucks Twitter when they're on the penalty kill in the power play. Power play, I can just you know go upstairs and get some popcorn or pour another beer and not really worry about the Ducks scoring. Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm inclined to say throw someone like Holzer, Grant, and Rowney on the line and just see what they do. Or, you know what, screw it. <laughs> Pass the puck back to Gibson or, or, or Miller and have them fire it from their own goal line and try to get a goal. I mean, just, hey, you know what, screw it. If, if any of you guys listening, the fans want to try to jump on the power play, sign a contract, why not sign one of the fans listening? They might do, do a little bit more than the Ducks have been this season. Yeah, I mean, it's been so bad on the power play. I mean, you're right. It's like we should take volunteers out of the stands. And I laugh (laughs) when I go to the games because as soon as they get a power play, the people that sit by me or the people that I run to are like, yeah, can we just decline this? You know, can we just go back to five on five? Because five on five, we're a decent team. You know, the power play, I I don't know what it is with this team. They just, you know, we talked a little bit about as far as changing up personnel and getting in front of the net being a little bit too predictable but I, I think part of it's just mentality too and we've um, talked about that earlier in the season and that's kind of the second part of this segment but if you look at like the coaching and the team mentality um, unfortunately with this team they're not like the old school ducks uh, this team if they get down by multiple goals they seem to just fold uh, if they're down by one goal they usually can uh, fight back and tie it up and whatnot but we don't really see the comeback kids anymore. You know, we talk about the comeback on Catella, 
They scored those three goals in the final minutes against Edmonton. And you remember a couple of years ago, they were doing that against a bunch of teams. And now this, this season, it's like they get down by two or more and it's like the game's over. And then conversely, they get a lead and no lead is safe. And we saw that in the Florida game. I mean, they were up by four goals with less than two minutes to go in the second period and they lose that game. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is mental, Eddie. I, I just think this whole rebuilding thing, retooling thing, um, I mean, if that's what we're doing, fine. But I'm tired of like, oh, you know, some of the fans will look at a game when they lose. They're like, well, we're just rebuilding or retooling. Okay, I get that. But but when you're up 4 nothing at almost the end of the second period, I, I don't care if you got a new coach and a bunch of young players. You have to win that game, period. And the Ducks didn't do that. So... To me, it's it's just mental, uh, some of this, is that they either get behind by a lot and they just say, forget it, we're out, or they, they get a lead like this one, four-goal lead, and, oh, we're good. You know, they, they don't play that 60-minute game. We've, we've harped on that, too, at nauseum in this season. But those are some of the things I've noticed with this team is their mental approach to the game. And, yes, there are younger players, and some of that they're going to develop later on and not have that mentality, but... But overall, even with the rebuild or retooling, uh, this team can still be competitive. And they've still played some winnable games where they lost, uh, especially like this Jets game. They didn't even get a goal, um, you know, and they and they could have. I mean, the Jets aren't playing that great this season. I mean, you know, they have a winning record, but uh, they're not the, the best team in the league. And for me, Eddie, uh, I just think a lot of it's mental for this team this season. Oh, yeah. I, I think they really had it in their mind that they're uh... – not retooling. I think it's a rebuild mode, and I think every player has that mentality. Ducks don't have any identity this season. Like you said, uh, we had the comeback kids. We had the dirty Ducks. We had an identity of who they are. I have no idea what identity the Ducks have uh, right now and, and who they are this season. It just seems like they have an infamous identity of not scoring on the power play, or if they go down by a goal or two, they just tuck their tails between their legs and just just take it. And it's just there's no fight in it, and it's it frustrating. And you know what? I get it. You guys are re, you know this retooling word is just a, a little fancy word to say rebuild because they don't want to lose season ticket holders and they don't want to lose you know fans from this. But you know what? It is what it is, and just they're in a, a a stage right now where it doesn't seem like they're gonna get better and they're gonna improve. It, it's only gonna be worse. And the only thing we can hope for is we could be above the the Kings and personally we could be above the Wild because I hate that team. But uh, that that Florida game was the, kind of the heartbreaker and kind of the nail in the coffin. Uh, the coffin at that, at that time, you're up four goals. A team that that came back from being down four nothing. They did it against the Bruins and they played the Bruins. Bruins went up, you know, four nothing in the second period, and then Florida comes back and you know scores four goals in the third, and then wins in overtime. It's like you knew this team was capable of coming back, but it seems like once the the Florida Panthers scored a couple goals and scored the third goal. The Ducks just kind of just held back and didn't really fight. That's the, the like getting frustrating. And I, I want to mention the the Philadelphia game from last season, the, that frustrating game. And this is probably like the most frustrating game. I think a little bit more than that Philadelphia game. It's just, it's just really bad hockey's played. And, and I, I get frustrated because this team has so much potential. Yes, we have a lot of young kids. We have a, a, a lot of young guns, but, you know, they prove that they can they can be factors. Look at the Arizona game. It's just they're not – the whole team in general is just suffering from from just – I don't know. There's just I, – I don't want to say lack of heart. They're professional hockey players, and they have a lot of heart. But something's going on in this locker room, and it has to change. And – 
Yeah, I get it. If they're not going to, you know, be a Stanley Cup team, they're not going to be a, even a playoff team. They're going to be bottom stands. Cool. I can accept that. I can get it. I'll still watch every game. I'll still go to as many games as I can. But I want to see at least a little bit of heart from this team and not just put their, you know, their backs against the wall and put their bellies up. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, you hit it, is they're not playing necessarily bad throughout the season. It's been more inconsistent. They've had good games. I mean, they played the Islanders, who had lost a game in regulation in you know a month and a half, and they beat them 3-0. Um, they played the Stanley Cup champs, and they beat them, too. I mean, pretty much because of Derek Grant, but still, they, they beat them in St. Louis, too. So there is spurts of that where we see the team or glimpses of them going out and doing these things. I think a lot of it, too, is they can't finish some of their plays. We've seen Max Jones get close sometimes. We've seen Sam Steele get close other times. Uh, even Troy Terry had that play in the Winnipeg game. He was a couple uh, feet away from the net, and he does a Getzloff imitation and passes the puck uh, instead of shooting it. I mean, it was like, come on, man. Like they're, they have the, they're getting chances for sure. It's not like they're going out there and they're just playing terrible completely. They're just not finishing the plays. But I also think part of it, you got to put some of this on Dallas Aikens. Uh, you know, we got kind of critical of him uh, not challenging some of the plays that we talked about earlier in the season, the one against the uh, San Jose Sharks. We saw a similar play in this Winnipeg game for the Ducks where the Ducks didn't get the goal, and, and he couldn't challenge that because the ref said the whistle was blown, which, I, you know, I, whatever. We already went over that in the first segment. I'm not going to revisit it. But they uh, uh, just haven't been able to quite get it done. Um, and I feel some of it is when they're playing – Aikens, his strategy is he wants to roll four lines. He wants to roll all the defensive players. And I get that. When the game starts out that way, that's fine. You want to get everybody out there. You want everybody to play, have a bunch of equal minutes. However, when you're down a bunch of goals, you shouldn't be putting your fourth line out there. You shouldn't be putting out your third defensive pairing. You need to be putting out the guys that are going to stop the other team. Manson, Lindholm, Fowler. Of course, Manson's out. But I'm just saying, you got to put out your top guys. And if you're trying to get goals and you're behind, you got to put out the top two lines. You got to put out the Getzoff line and the Henrique line, whoever else you got lined up at the winger, fine. But you're going to have to do that at some point in the game. You're going to have to change stuff up. You may even have to change up the personnel on the lines. And we've seen Aikens do that here and there, but I think he's too concerned about trying to give everybody equal ice time. Uh, if the game's tied or within a goal, I get it. But once the Ducks start getting behind, you're going to have to start figuring out stuff and do some in-game changes. And I just really haven't seen those, unfortunately. Uh, and, and just critical mistakes, you know, putting out, like we said, Holzer and Larson together at a key moment in the game. Or even playing them together. You got you can't do that. You've, you've got to get out of that mindset. We've got to have Del Zotto back in there. Branson's filled in. He's done great. He's been standing up for the Ducks, we, we, like we talked about in the Capitals game. Uh, with Hathaway, we saw it in this Jets game when uh, Kasha got knocked down. Um, and that's that's what you got to do. And I think he's been a good addition. So that's helped out. But, um, you know, the strategy, I, I, I don't know, Eddie. Um, I think you talked about it before. Uh, it's like maybe Aikens is maybe just too cautious. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it, it seems at times that he's just you know, his second stint in the, in the NHL that he's too cautious and a little afraid to make some moves that are questionable, uh, challenging plays, which he should have, and, and thinking it's going to, you know, with the Ducks are, are, you know, kind of spiraling down at times, and he's going to lose his job, and he's too afraid. And he wants to be that player's coach, too, and he wants to be popular to everyone running the four lines. I get it. It's cool. But, you know, what? you're still the head coach. Your main responsibility is not players' feelings. It, it's not, 
it's not anyone's feelings. The only thing your job is to get wins and to, you know, coach a team that's going to be the best possible team out there. And I'm not saying he's a bad coach, and I'm nowhere near saying or speculating that he should be fired at all because, like I said before, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be a first-year kind of thing where it's like, okay, if the Ducks don't approve this season, fire him and get someone. No, no, it's not like that. It's going to take some time, but I think he needs to – I think he might be worrying about his job a little bit and his second time in NHL, and, and he might not get a third. But he has to challenge those things, especially in San Jose. That that was that was obvious. And if anyone's watching or listening, I know we have league news and a lot of other fans that aren't Ducks fans that listen to the show. Hopefully, listen to the whole show. But you can agree too. That should have been one of those calls that that should have been challenged. Like you're pushing a player's pad and, and to the net, and the puck crosses the line. It's that was goalie interference. That's textbook goalie interference. But he just chose not to do it. And I don't know if that would have changed the whole game and momentum of it, but at least he went out there and tried. So I just I hope he's not put in a position that he's walking on eggshells because I just want him to just to do his thing and, and be the coach that he was last season in San Diego and had that success and still be a player's coach, but then know at times where, okay, we're down two goals. You have to put players out there that can put the puck, that have the skill that could put the puck in back of the net and that are ready to do it, uh, someone that, that's on fire, that's hot, that scored already, or that hit the post a couple times, that just itching for that goal, to put them out there and not put players like, you know, and, and Grant or Arani, and, and no disrespect to players like that, yeah, they had their time, but they're not as skilled as the, the Silverbergs or the Rakals, or even, you know, Getzloff this season that's that's actually playing great and putting that puck in back of the net. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. It's just trying to adjust on the fly. And I, I think he has done it at times, but at other times he's kind of just like, okay, we're going to keep rolling out the four lines. It's like, no, man, we need to change this up a little bit. Uh, if you got to play the, the top lines more, play the top lines more. I mean, he's not overused Getzloff as much as maybe some of our, you know, our past coaches have, but sometimes it, it needs to be done. Uh, you know, in the final minutes, too, uh, even defensively, like we talked about. If you're on a key faceoff, you need to put out the, the best guys. And if the guys are tired and you want to put out your best guy, then call the timeout. You know, give them that break. Give them a little bit of extra water or Gatorade and get them out there. I mean, that's just some things that it seems like have been lacking. Uh, he's been really hit and miss. So and it's not to criticize him. I, I, I'm Trust me, I'm more happy to have him than Randy Carla. With Randy Carla, it, like the locker room was a disaster. The morale was terrible. We all know that. That's not a surprise. Obviously, this team, the morale is better. Uh, I just feel that there's some adjustments that Aikens could make, and this team could be just a little bit, you know, a little bit more. I feel like they're... They're just a little bit away from being a, a more of a playoff-type team. Um, you know, They're not going to be a Stanley Cup contending team. We already know that. We've already talked about that. But they can be a little bit more competitive on a consistent basis. And I think that's part of the issue. So hopefully they'll get it figured out. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some trade stuff too. Uh, whether or not we think you know the Ducks will do some of that. We've talked about it on some of the previous shows. So you can go back and listen to that. Uh, we're going to go to the last segment now. We're going to talk about the league news. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, especially in the coaching world. Um, I'll let Eddie uh, break it down, and I know he wants to talk a little bit uh, about our partnership with the uh, OC Animal Care before we start the segment. Oh, definitely. Uh, I want to thank the OC Animal Care for uh, allowing us to partner up with them. It's it's one of those things that are near and dear to my heart and also Mike's heart. 
uh, just animals that are just, you know, they need loving homes and who knows what they've been through, you know, being stray dogs or the abuse that they probably felt. It's just good and it feels good to actually try to help and I, I wish I could help every single one of them. Unfortunately, I can't, but just us, just, you know, promoting it and, and just, you know, posting posts and talking about it, hopefully it just, it, it throws the word out there. And if we can just save one, two or three and maybe more, I mean, that, that's all great for me. Uh, this month, the month of December for the OC Animal Care, they're doing a photo with Santa. So every Saturday in December from 11 to 3 p.m., they're having uh, like all donations for uh, one of your pets to take a picture with Santa, which is cool. Um, hopefully, you don't bite Santa. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, um, they give you a photo. They give you a, a digital one to share. Um, donations. If you don't have a pet, you're thinking about it. I check them out. I don't care if you check OC Animal Care. If you go to like uh, whatever you're listening to, a different state, different country, check out them. But it's gonna be cool. I do have a couple a couple dog collars and bananas for pets. So if you do end up adopting, uh, let me know and we will send you something out just as a thank you. Something a little that we can add to that. And yeah, that's it. So I want to thank the OC Animal Care for that. And now we're going to get to the league news. I do want to talk about, before I get into the coaching thing, which has been really hot in the NHL, I want to talk about Bobby Ryan. Uh, Bobby Ryan's taking taking some time off from the team. And he's joining the um, player assistance program. I'm not sure what's going on with Tim, his drugs or alcohol, or but there's something that's you know kind of a, a mental disorder that's going on where he has to take time off and get his head straight. Um, this is really unfortunate. He's a fan favorite in Anaheim. He's a, a fan favorite for me. Uh, we have mutual friends that played against him when he played in Narch in San Jose. Um, he's a stand-up guy. Uh, I, I got to talk to him a few times. He remembered me before I left the army and then after. So I have that close connection with them. And whatever he's going through, I just wish him all the best of luck. And, and it's, it's not hard, especially when you, you know, you have a lot of problems in life. Sometimes you tend to go through alcohol or drugs. You know, I had an unfortunate where I, I got, you know, wrapped up uh, uh, in alcohol a lot because I had a lot of problems and I just didn't want to discuss them and talk about them. And I always felt that I can just do it myself and, you know, I'm not weak-minded. But it really took some soul-searching and for me to realize that, hey, you know, I got to stop drinking and I can't, you know, mask my problems with alcohol. So, um, yeah, some people are saying, uh, you know, negative things that, well, he's a millionaire, he makes this money. It doesn't matter how much money you make. When it comes to a mental, a mental disorder, we're all just the same and we're all put in the same playing field. And it just, I really hope that he gets the help he needs and he comes back and he can be a better person for himself. Um, if you guys haven't checked out his Players Tribune uh, article that he wrote, he, he's gone through a lot of shit. And it, it's stuff that I wouldn't wish on, on my worst enemy, but I wish him the best of luck. And, Mike, I don't know if you want to say anything about Bobby Ryan. You played for the Ducks, and you have a connection to him, too, before I get into more league news. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you know, in my real job, I guess, I mean, I, I've worked with people that have issues 
whether they're be- you know veterans like you, Eddie, um, or they're just you know average Joe citizens that have issues with alcohol or drug abuse or any kind of mental illness or PTSD or whatnot. So we don't know exactly what it is that he's uh, dealing with at this time. And even if I, I did know, I probably wouldn't want to say until he was comfortable saying. So I'd hold back on that. But um, I just wish him the best. You know, he was a fan favorite in Anaheim, like you said. Obviously, Ottawa likes having him too. And I hope he just gets the recovery and, and stuff that he needs. And it, like you said, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or what race or religion or background you're from. You know, mental illness affects everybody. Um, and, and also young or old too. It does, doesn't matter. So I, I'm just hoping that he gets whatever treatment he needs and can get, you know, his situation straightened out on and off the ice. Um, with that, I'll let you go into all the coaching news because I know uh, you know a lot, a lot of crazy stuff's going on. Another former person connected to the Ducks, Mike Babcock's in the news, and all kinds of crazy stuff going on with him as well. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to talk about one thing real quick. The Blues had a suspension. Bertuzzo got suspended for Arvidsson. Um, it, it was a bad play. He deserved the five games, maybe a little bit more. He cross-checked Arvidsson by the front of the net, which, okay, he got a penalty for that. But then as Arvidsson's trying to get up, clearly he was hurt on the play. Bertuzzo goes ahead and checks him right in the lower back, and he's out four to six weeks now. Bertuzzo got five game suspensions for that, and I'm all about hard-hitting and physical hockey. That was a gutless and disgusting play. and uh, Yeah, he deserved a five, maybe a little bit more. Uh, let's uh, switch gears now to the coaching. Mike Babcock was fired. Sheldon Keek took over as new head coach. Uh, former player Mike Commodore went out and really went off on Mike Babcock. <laughs> I'm pretty sure anyone in the anyone of the hockey world have seen some of the comments of calling him a failure and a total prick. And he was happy. He's been waiting for this moment for years. Um, he totally went off on Babcock. Uh, Babcock um, actually did. Uh, a sto- uh, someone said a story on him. Uh, he asked Mitch Marner when he was a rookie which players are the most laziest in the room. It was supposed to be confidential. Mitch Marner, being a rookie, you know, scared when I like, said his thoughts. Babcock read that and to the team and said what he said. He what wasn't even supposed to be disclosed. And it just turns out that it seems like a lot of players are coming out and saying Babcock was an asshole. I know Commodore's problems happened when uh, he was with the Mighty Ducks. Back in the day, he had issues with Tim. They went at it. He ended up being traded. He met later with Tim when he was a member of the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, Commodore thought it was going to be different. Like they're older. He's coming in more established. Nope. He had that same resil- uh, resilient or resentment for him. And they went from there. And that led to other players. One of the players, Akeem, accusing, which was validated because uh, head coach of the Calgary Frames, Bill Peters, admitted to it. Uh, about dropping racial slurs in the locker room. And uh, one of them's uh, quote saying, I'm sick of hearing that N word shit. I'm sick of hearing this N effing other N's and the ass stuff. Um, Bill Peters came out and said that, you know, he was ashamed. He apologized. He went to the locker room right after to try to apologize. And he realized what he was wrong. Um, the player, Akeem, and a few other players on that team uh, the AHL came back and said no that wasn't the case and he's lying well Bill Peters ended up resigning and you know what I think it's good uh, uh, someone like that that's going to demean players and I get it 
if you're a rookie player, you're going to go through some crap. I, I was in the military. I worked in a law enforcement you know, background when I was younger. And I get not hazing, but you, you're the boot and you're the, the low man on the totem pole. But I've never really experienced something disgusting like that. And, and him being called out, I get it. He's an older coach and he's been around for a while. And 10 years ago is something. But okay, if you did make a mistake and you thought you had a different mentality, come out and say it. Like, you know what? I was stupid before. I, you know, I was. I grew up with different, a different family that just looked down on people that weren't, you know, my same skin color. I've had that in the army too. A guy telling me that, you know, I was his favorite wet pack. I'm like, uh, you can't really, uh, it's not really acceptable to say, but. He just told me that that was his that was his upbringing, but you know it doesn't matter. Like when it's in the army, he was my brother, and I would have I would have defended him and had his back, just like I had anyone else that wore that green uniform or or whatever uniform you wore. If you're a marine wearing the tan or dark blue in the navy or, or coast guard or whatever, I still had your back. Uh, it's really unfortunate that this story again after the Don Cherry, the Jess Allen, and now this is trending not the hockey world but the sports world and it's really giving hockey that negativity that we don't need man i'm saying um hockey is a sport it's a beautiful sport it saved my life uh, i don't know where i would have been without hockey i probably would have been done my mental issues i probably would have just not been in this world anymore but hockey gave me so much and, and opened the world up for so much opportunities and i really hope this doesn't deter uh, players uh, of e even uh, black or Hispanic, Asian, whatever race you are, players. I mean, you could be the little blue guys in Avatar. Like as long as you like the <laughs> sport, I mean, that's all that matters to me. And it's just really unfortunate that these stories can leak in the sports world, but you don't see stories of, of players doing good and doing justice and and, and leaking in the sports world. But it's just one of those things where. You know, hopefully it can blow over and we bring more awareness and education to people and we can really stand by it and, and let everyone know that hockey is it's not just a little hashtag you do for fun. But no, this sport is for everyone that can cherish their values and honor and, and can play this sport. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Hockey is for everybody. And I, I think the whole thing with Bill Peters is just ridiculous. Uh, you know, just because someone plays music you don't like in the locker room. Um, I mean, you can maybe voice your opinion that you don't like it, but I, I don't know why you have to drop the F-bomb or the N-word uh, and, and part of that, you know, voicing of your displeasure. I just don't get that. There's just no room for that, period. And I, I'm kind of surprised about Babcock. I, I just, that to me, uh, you know, when he got fired initially, some people were talking about, oh, you know, maybe the Ducks should try to look at him and whatnot when the news first came out. And then... You know, a after more and more of the news came out, all of a sudden, you know, like we talked about, Mike Commodore came on there, was saying all this negative stuff about how he was treated poorly in Anaheim, and then he met up again with Babcock in Detroit and was treated poorly there, and then, you know, then as kind of the floodgates opened, other people were starting to say stuff too. Uh, that just surprised me. I mean, I didn't have a clue uh, about that part. I mean, we remember Babcock being on the Ducks and taking him to the Stanley Cup final back in the day, uh, the Mighty Duck days, as Eddie talked about. Um, so obviously with all the stuff going on with him, he's pretty much done. Uh, Bill Peters, I, I, at least he did apologize and he's done, but he took it too far. It's just stuff that you just can't do that. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Um, like Eddie said, hockey is for everyone. We try to grow the sport, uh, regardless of whatever your background is. Um, you know, even doing this podcast, uh, when I started it, gosh, uh, four or five years ago, 
I was surprised at the number of people that listen to this show that aren't from Canada or from the U.S. There are people uh, around the world. I mean, Europe too. I mean, we know hockey is prominent over there, but a lot, a lot of European countries uh, listen to the show. Uh, there's people in Japan that listen to the show, Australia, South America, Mexico. I mean, there's people all over that like the sport of hockey, and it opened my eyes back then when I used to, you know. You know, I was all happy when I got like five people to listen to the show. I was like, oh, great. And when, when the show started kind of getting a little bit more steam and I would see uh, through our website, the, the Podomatic uh, website, it kind of shows you where the listeners are throughout the world. It's amazing that this sport reaches so many people. And, you know, the fact that it does that, we need to embrace everybody as well. Uh, and I mean, we're talking about hockey, but it's all sports in general, but specifically hockey, of course, because that's our show. Um and I posted too, if you saw on Facebook, you know that uh, I'm thankful for everybody that I've ever met through this. I know Eddie and I met through this. A lot of people I see at the games I met through this. I had a big uh, group of people that went to the Black Friday game. We've been doing that for the last couple of years. And yeah, the outcome wasn't what we wanted. But to have you know a, a two dozen something people come together and hang out on Friday, watch the game. We all went out to eat dinner afterwards and, and just you know talk about sports and everything like that. Uh, it's a big positive. So these stories here, unfortunately, uh, it's something that we have to deal with. And um, I think we've gotten better as a society uh, in general. But uh, of course, there's more work to do, Eddie. Um, and I and I know you also wanted to mention briefly a little bit about Daryl Sutter. We can't really go into a lot of depth about it, but there may be some stuff coming down the pipeline on him as well, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And just to go off of what you said, yeah, I, we appreciate all, everyone that follows, that, that comments, uh, and Mike, I thank you. I, I'm thankful for you, uh, especially Thanksgiving just passed. I'm really thankful that, you know, I jumped on Twitter and I bought a shirt and then we just ended up talking just randomly because I was in the military and we had that, that connection. And then it seems that we had a lot more in common than we thought. Man, and now I can call you my brother. It was it, great. Like the hospitality you and your wife have shown me is just nothing short of amazing. Like, like I said, you hear my brother and. You're my Timu or my, my, my Korea, and, and I'm your uh, I'm your Timu, and I'm your Korea. I don't care which one we are. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be I'll be Steve Ruchin. We have that, but yeah. Um, fortunately, Daniel Corsello, um, yeah, he's he a bad boy, the the former grinder slash enforcer. Uh, he's been advocating, um, you know, a lot of the CTE head trauma stuff, and he went out and said that uh, he called out the Ducks advisor, Darryl Sutter. As being a coach in question, that abusive behavior, I'm not sure how far this is going to go or, or what he's saying. He hasn't really validated anything, and I haven't heard anything from anyone else that's validated his his statement. I did reach out to him on social media because he did make that accusation. And as, you know, ducks and pucks and, and as a journalist that I call myself because I am studying that, I have a responsibility to, to look into that and find out more of it. Uh, he hasn't reached out to me yet. Um, I, I hope he does. If not, then it's just going to be a one-person statement without anyone validating it. And I hope it's not the case. I hope, you know, he, he's been known to, you know, over-exaggerate some certain things. So, I mean, we'll just go from there on putting that out, you know, just because it's 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 news and it's, you know, he's part of the Ducks, uh, Sutter is. So, uh, any uh, Ducks-related news, we're, we're going to put out and we're going to share it because it's, it's our responsibility to do that, to inform fans of what's going on. Uh, moving forward from that, we do have some good news before we get into some trade rumors. But uh, 
a guy named Kessler and Bieska. Uh, they're actually doing a podcast. They recorded a couple shows. They're going to put them out, and they're going to see what's going on. Oh, my God. I hope it's unrated. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun listening to both of them. And you know what? Hopefully, we can try to get them on Ducks and Pucks, and they can share their experiences. It'll probably be an unrated show because I don't want to censor any of them. I don't think you want to either, Mike, because there will be too many little beeps you have to press for the way they uh, they go about business. But that uh, should be a fun one. And speaking about podcasts, I did uh, buy one of the Pink Whitney bottles from the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Ryan Whitney, a former Ducks defenseman player, he made his own drink. I suggest you try it out. Uh, We tried it out on Friday together. We posted that picture on social media. got a lot of positive responses and likes, so that's pretty cool. And, and yeah, I'll let you talk about uh, your experience and your first drink of Pink Whitney, Mike, before we get into Taylor Hall and other trade rumors. Yeah, the uh, the spitting chicklets, you know, podcast is definitely a favorite of mine and and, and pretty popular out there. So Eddie uh, had the Pink Whitney. We we went to the game uh, against Winnipeg, of course, and like I said, I had a bunch of people there. And then um, Eddie came over to the uh, Ducks and Pucks headquarters, uh, aka my house, <laughs> and we uh, hung out afterwards. But uh, I highly recommend it if you like vodka. It's very smooth. Uh, it's very good. We took a shot of it. I also uh, kind of made a Pink Whitney Moscow Mule, I guess, if you'll say. It's kind of one of my drinks. So um, uh, no complaints. It was great. And uh, like you said, too, if uh, Kessler and Bieksa have this show going, it's going to be freaking awesome. Uh, it's another podcast I would highly recommend and uh, tune in for. So uh, with that, we'll kind of finish up the show here. Really, uh, we talked about trade rumors before. On some of the previous shows, and then the trade rumors with Taylor Hall have heated up again. Uh, Pierre Lebrun uh, tweeted out that, uh, quote, uh, hearing that the Devils have started to listen from teams on Taylor Hall doesn't mean they will for sure trade him, but given their place in the standings and the magnitude of a potential deal, uh, their GM is now listening, or excuse me, is now in listening mode. So, and he goes on to talk about, too, that it may not be till closer to the trade deadline, depending on the extension and whatnot. So his name's out there. You know, before we talked about Good Branson and that happened, uh, like literally like I, I think like 30 minutes after we posted the article, that was pretty crazy. But uh, this one, I'm giving it a, a hard no. And it's not because I don't want it to happen. I, I think bringing Hall in could help this team. But I just don't see it getting done because I don't think the Ducks would want to offer a whole lot. I, I think... If they were going to try to go after him, some of the players that we've mentioned before in trade rumors were uh, Nick Ritchie, uh, Daniel Sprong. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Larson, too, with the way he's been playing lately, or maybe some draft picks. But I think if you're going to go after Taylor Hall, it's going to command more than that. I don't think the Ducks are willing to give that up. Plus, I don't know how much that's going to help the team this year. We don't want to just make the playoffs and go after a big-name player that's going to be a rental uh, if they did get him for extension, that would be great. But then, like I said, it's the same issue. Um, you know, the salary cap, there is room there. The Ducks have, you know, like we said, extra uh, money to spend with Eves and Kessler on the LTIR. But uh, they're also going to have to pay a little bit more for Corey Perry next season. So there's some things that they got to think about and work out. Um, I'm not surprised. I think Taylor Hall will be traded by the trade deadline. But uh, for me, Eddie, I just don't really see him coming to Anaheim. Yeah, same here. I mean, it'll be really shocking and surprising if Taylor Hall stays with the Devils past the trade deadline. Uh, he seems like he's he wants to you know test the free agency. His his agent already went out and said that he's not going to sign an extension this season. He wants to wait till after the season's over. 
And that just kind of tells me that, you know, he wants to test free agency. I don't blame him either. A player, you know, that's a unique opportunity for players to actually be able to, you know, have teams fight over him. Um, like if you're a high school player, you have a bunch of colleges trying to recruit you. They bring you and show you a good time and, and do that. I, I see him as a a short-time solution if the Ducks did went ahead and picked him up. Yeah, he's in an increased goal scoring. He's in a, at that, that elite threat that we need, and he's, he'll solidify that left-wing top spot. But chances of him staying, no, I think he wants to go on a team that want the, that's competitive and is going to win. And he, he's going to command a top dollar like come, his, uh, you know, come his deal in July. So I, I think it'd be a hard pass. I read rumors about the Avalanche have been the front runners, and there's something going on with them in the next few weeks. Um, I just can't see it for the Ducks. And honestly, I wouldn't want the Ducks to go out and, and throw, you know, a, a top top players out there. It, it's it's gonna take a Silverberg or a Cal kind of player to even get the the ball rolling over there in New Jersey. They're gonna want that, and I don't think we should be letting players like that go right now. Let's find our identity and find out who we are as a hockey team and go from there. Uh, this Ducks team is going to be competitive in a couple years, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to, not just giving up assets and having a temporary solution just to have barely squeaking the playoffs or barely getting to you know a, a point out of the playoffs and getting a mid-draft pick instead of we can just get a top draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I mean, like I said, not not uh, with Anaheim, I don't see it happening, but I think overall that, that will happen. So... Um, with that, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, don't forget, we're having a Black Friday sale ourselves. You can check out tpnhockey.com. A lot of stuff's marked down to just 2 bucks on there, so you can check that out. Also, for the Ducks and Pucks gear, you can um, go to onthevolley.com slash ducksandpucks. We have stuff on there. If you use the code uh, BFDNP, you can get 30% off stuff there as well. So check those out. Like we said, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody listening to the show all around the world. Uh, hockey's for everybody. Um, we'll be back probably in a week. The Ducks are going to be playing the Kings this week, and then they have a few days off. They're going to be playing the Capitals, hopefully some games that will get them motivated, um, and they'll play a little bit better. But uh, expect us to be back probably sometime next weekend, and let's go Ducks.